0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. We're glad to see you today. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with this side of the sanctuary. It's kind of empty over here. This this side looks pretty good, but um, I, I, did the angels of the Lord come and separate the sheep and the goats? And I'm not saying which side is which, but... <laughs> You know, I told Nathaniel as we were driving in here today, I said, okay, it's a holiday weekend, it's raining, the perfect storm for a small attendance at church. So, uh, But I am glad that you are here today and we welcome you and we're grateful that you are here this morning and uh, we are here to share in worshiping the Lord God uh, together. Uh, I'd like to welcome Marilyn Dorsey here. She is uh, filling in for Mark today as uh, uh, leading in our music, so thanks Marilyn for that. And all and other guests that are here, we're glad that you are here as well and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheet on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out uh, so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And um, I'd also like to call to your attention some things that are coming up. We will be having a church council this afternoon. So if you're a part of that group, please uh, uh, be here at that meeting today. We are well into our upward basketball and cheerleading, and I think we're going to get a, uh, uh, a report on what's going on there. Matthew, you want to come fill us in here? Good morning.
1: Good morning. morning. Now, I know that it's been a while since you've seen my ugly mug, but, and there are a few people out here that I don't recognize, but I'm Matthew North. Uh, the upward program this year, we've got about 110 kids signed up so far. And I'm sure we'll get another five, ten stragglers this week. Uh, we're always in need of scholarships. Probably need about 25 of them at this current time. And we'll make the money out, but anything you guys can give helps. Uh, at the same time, the other thing you guys can give is your time. Upward takes a huge commitment. On Saturdays, we'll have upward of 200, 250 people in this building. They're right here. All you have to do is come out here and talk to them. They're looking for it, guys. If you come out here and talk about the gospel with them, they'll listen. That's why they're here. They'll watch basketball and they'll hear a message. So if you guys can give your time, it's one more person may come in here. So thank you, everybody.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Matthew. It's a, it's a wonderful program, and we could use your, your volunteer time. And uh, there's a lot that you can do. And, uh, and there's something that everybody can do. And, uh, and that is to pray. So please be in prayer for our Upward Basketball and Cheerleading uh, season. Also coming up in a couple of weeks, we will be having our uh, fundraiser, our, our missions fundraiser at Shurway. We'll be selling tickets uh, for barbecue. And uh, and so we're looking for volunteers for that as well. There's a sign-up sheet on the uh, table as you leave the uh, uh, this auditorium today. Or uh, also take some tickets. Uh, We have some tickets available. Take some and sell them. Our pre-sales is really where we get uh, the bulk of our money for this, and um, all of the money that we receive from this uh, goes towards our mission projects. It helps to pay for our mission projects that we do here uh, through Community Baptist Church. Uh, Speaking of one of the the missions that, that we are not directly involved with but uh through uh, kentucky baptist fellowship we have a partnership with a church in morocco and um and and uh, uh it's a great ministry uh a wonderful ministry and we are connecting with them they they are bringing students from morocco here to kentucky in a couple of weeks and we are invited to come and to share some time with them uh they're having a celebration in uh in Louisville and in Lexington on um, September the sixth and the thirteenth, I believe. But we can also, if you can't make it to one of those, uh, they are coming to Owensboro, and I think it's September the ninth, a Tuesday. And so we can go over to Owensboro and meet some of these students and uh, learn about the uh, the partnership that we have in Morocco. Uh, some of you know Karen Thomas Smith, who is from um, Owensboro, a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, woman and uh, preacher and, and minister. She is the pastor of the church in Morocco, and uh, she will be there and introduce us uh, to some of some of her students there. Also, you will notice that th- this is the fifth Sunday in August, and as always, we uh, receive a fifth Sunday offering, and this is over and beyond your regular uh, contribution to Community Baptist Church, and the, the purpose of this is uh for our building fund we are still paying for this building and i love this building it's a wonderful building i just wish it was paid for (laughs) and and it can be and it will be one day uh but uh it's but it's it's like eating an elephant you just kind of take it one bite at a time and so we're taking another bite at our elephant today and asking you to give generously to our building fund and there are some uh Envelopes, uh, they were mailed to you, and there are also some envelopes in the, worship, in the uh, attendance folder there. And so if you would give generously, we would appreciate it. It's, oh, Mike. Uh-huh. Also, uh, we need some more items for yes, yes, we do. Okay, thank you, Mike. I, I will reiterate that because I know that probably over here some people didn't, didn't hear that. Uh, I, he reminded us that the uh, Highway 60 rummage sale is coming up the first weekend of October. I think it's October 3rd and 4th, and we are participating in that. We're doing a little, a little bit different. We're not going to set up at the, uh, at the corner like we have been. We're going to set up right here in this building and put a sign up at the corner. If you remember last year, we set up at the corner and got doused, I mean the flood just came and uh so we're going to move it down here to the uh and set it up in here. And if you uh have some stuff that you want to get rid of, you know, we need to clean out our closets folks, it's time. Bring it to the church. You need to clean out the you know that that stuff in your closet you've been meaning to get rid of all of this time, it's time. Okay, so bring it to the church and we will sell that and uh and raise money for our missions projects. And uh, and so we'll, you're welcome to do that. One other thing, come on October 3rd and 4th and buy somebody else's junk, <laughs> because that raises money for our for our missions. You may and you know, one person's uh, what is it? One person's trash is another person's treasure. So, so come find some treasure. Let's greet each other in the name of
2: the Lord.
3: Uh, I'm Greg Gibson. I was asked to update you on what is happening in our Donnings group that is meeting um, each week. There's 11 of us that meet, usually every Sunday afternoon, um, to seek God's will for our lives and for us as a church um, while asking God to direct us and serve out the great commission in the world and asking him how he would uh, have us carry out that commission. Um, it's interesting me, to me that this word... Uh, visioning and this is a visioning process is referred to uh, as Dawnings as a visioning process and its purpose is to identify a new day for our church's missional journey. One definition of the word Dawning is beginning of a new day time or age. Um, When I think of the typical visioning process that I've been involved with uh, and being a creative person many times i'm asked to participate in visioning programs and processes um normally you enter into that process with perceived anticipated or expected outcomes it's not the case with this donnings uh, approach that we are traveling on together the 11 of us as we come together each week we approach this visioning process from a totally different perspective one of what is god's will for us as a group What is God's um, dawning or new day for us as a church? And how are we today and tomorrow to serve others better on behalf of God? Our commitment is to meet each week. And as we meet, we pray together. We read and we reread scriptures. We call it praying the scriptures together. And we discuss the possibilities of what God is saying to us individually and as a church. We invite God into that process with us without preconceived ideas and ask God's presence to be among us. We explore the elements of the dawning process, that of visioning, which is dreaming, forming, which is molding or shaping, and engaging, which is involving or investing. Each time we gather, we participate in different group activities, to draw us closer to God and closer to one another. We pray for one another. We pray for each of you in our congregation. And we pray for the church as a whole uh, in an effort to identify and follow God's dream for us. Just this past week, we had a different exercise that we did as a group. And it was called a colloquy. Uh, It's a conversation with God. Each 11 of us went to a different room in this church. We took two passages of scripture, we were asked to choose one, and we spent 30 minutes with that scripture and had a dialogue with God, and we were asked to write that dialogue down in that 30 minutes uh, as we prayed that particular scripture. Our conversations were many times very personal, sometimes very enlightening, and often extremely emotional. We came back together for a time of sharing that brought us closer together as God's children. As we continue to explore God's dream for our church, change is inevitable. And sometimes as we age, with change comes discomfort. It's hard to change that which we are so comfortable many times and and familiar with. But as we seek to follow God's will for us, for our church, and for our community, we pray that God will guide our efforts and provide the changes we need to better serve in God's world. Please pray for us. We will continue to pray for each of you, asking that God will unveil our missional path, that he will equip and provide us with the necessary tools and allow us to be engaged with others for God's greater good. Dawnings. God's dream for us, a vision for our church's future, and how to implement that vision. That's what we're meeting each week to discern. Thank you.
4: Will you join me for our responsive reading? Create in us a place where we may empty ourselves of our self-importance and become become vulnerable to your word to us. Help us to set ourselves firmly against friendly suggestions for safe, expedient lives and toward the risk of discipleship. Loosen your grip on certainties that smother possibilities. Forgive our resistance to change. Let us pursue the adventure of losing our lives in order to find them in you. Guide us to follow the way of your cross, where despair is transformed by the promise of new life. When we are too rushed to care, too tired to bother, too preoccupied to listen, or too quiet to act for motives other than compassion, Transform us that we may see our actions in light of your costly love. Amen.
5: okay you did it you don't have to do that again you did a nice intro
2: Uh,
5: our correction in the program uh end of pie will be praying today for daryl our scripture today is matthew 16 verses 21 through 28 from that time on jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests, and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. Uh, This must never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on the human things. Then Jesus told the disciples, In any way, in any If any want to become my followers, followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their lives will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father... And then he will repay everyone for what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming to his kingdom.
6: And the children can come forward and join me here. I was so excited to see y'all. I came up at the wrong time. What do you... Wow! We've got more children here than we have adults. Wonderful. Thank you all for coming down. uh, Today, I was getting ready, and I realized this is the last day I can wear my tan suit, so I wore it today. How about that? They say after Labor Day, you're not supposed to wear tan suits, whatever. Sometimes it matters, sometimes it doesn't. Many times when I come and talk to you all, I tell you a story about my childhood and something that made an impression upon me growing up. And one thing that did was a television show we would watch, and it was called Hee Haw. (laughs) Can you say that? Hee Haw. (laughs) That's what it was. It was a a funny television show. And they had all these characters on the show, and one of the characters on the show, her name was Minnie Pearl say that? Minnie Pearl. And Minnie Pearl, she would come onto the show, and you know what she'd say? Howdy! I'm just so (laughs) glad to be here. She was very consistent about doing that. She was, she, every time she came on the stage or came into the show, she would yell out that, that words, howdy! I'm so glad to be here. And another thing that Minnie Pearl would do very consistently is she wore a hat. Okay? She was from Grinder Switch, Tennessee, and she'd wear this hat. And this hat consistently would always have, guess what, a price tag on it. And that price tag had, a, had $1.98 on it. And she's known all over this world. Minnie Pearl is known for her, howdy, I'm just so glad to be here, and her hat that's had $1.98 on it. She was consistent about doing those things. And we, as children and even as adults, we need to be consistent about the things that we do and consistently repeat and do good habits. And one thing that I think I've talked to you all about before when I've been down here is that something that we can consistently do that bring people up, and it's, it's a Jesus thing that we can have in our heart as well, that there's something that we can do consistently, and that is when you see somebody that might look like they're having a bad day or things are not going well with them, what's the easiest thing we can do? We can smile at them. And there's something else we can do is say hello. And when you do that, you possibly and more than likely help them and bring them up. And that's what we're consistently supposed to do as Jesus' people. That's all I have for you. And amen and remember to say, Howdy! You can go with Miss Mary to children's time. Thank you.
7: pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us another Labor Day weekend where we could come and worship and fellowship with our family. Please be with those who aren't here and who may be traveling and are away from us this weekend. And also be with those who are out in the mission field and are doing good deeds in your name and laboring for you. Please let this money go to your benefit and to help those and the churches and the many people that can stand to have a helping hand. Please, let us all be careful as we go out into the highways, and let us labor for you and show that God is love. Amen.
0: God's people said amen thank you Marilyn what a beautiful song and one so timely um, because that's what I'm preaching on today (laughs) dismiss no you know better than that let me ask you how many of you have ever audited a course Anybody here ever audited a course? We've got a few people have. Now, another question for you tax type of people. When you saw the uh, title of today's sermon, did you see me going a different direction on that? (laughs) Yeah. I'm talking about auditing courses today. When you audit a course, you go and you sit in the classroom. You listen to the lecture. You participate in the discussion but you don't have any outside requirements. You don't have to study. You don't have to take tests. You don't have to write papers. You get all the information you want. But you don't have the burden of actually passing the class. Well, Tony Evans says that there are a lot of Christians who come to church on Sunday mornings to audit the sermon. <laughs> they go to class They have the textbook. They sit in their regular seats. They listen to the professor. But all they want to do is to audit the course. They don't want to be expected to do any homework. They don't want to pass any of the tests that God sends their way to check on their understanding. These Christians will pay the money to take the course, but they don't want to meet the requirements. And as long as you're auditing the course, he says you will get no credit on your transcript. There will be no graduation ceremony, no diploma. As long as you audit your Christian faith, there will be no passing grades, no divine recognition, and no experience of your calling from God. Well, our text for today is addressed to those who might be tempted to just audit the Christian faith. It's a continuation of last week's passage, if you'll remember, in last week's passage, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And when Peter said this, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, for, you have, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he goes on to say about Simon, I tell you that you are Peter and that word Peter Petros in Greek is the word for rock. And he said on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth is will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. Today's lesson comes immediately after that. And it tells us that from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he had to go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the teachers, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Well, when Peter heard this, he took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him. Now, I want you to think about that for just a moment. Peter has just confessed that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God. And with his next breath, he began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Now, of course, Peter's heart was in the right place. He loved Jesus, and he, he didn't want for Jesus to suffer and to die. And so that's that was the motivation behind his words. But do you see what Jesus did in response to that? He turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus spoke some words to his disciples that need to be heard by anyone who thinks that following Jesus is a course that can simply be audited. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. You know, I would say that there are not many ideas in this world that have been as badly misconstrued as this idea of carrying a cross. How do we use that phrase so often in our lives, in our daily lives? Someone has a, a a lazy husband. Not anyone in this church, of course, but down at the other Baptist church. A, a, a woman has a, a lazy husband and says to a friend, well, I guess that's just my cross to bear. Or someone has a, a painful case of arthritis and they say, it's just my cross to bear. Somebody's favorite television program gets canceled. That's just my cross to bear. And and, and we can feel sorry for someone with a lazy husband or somebody with a painful disease or somebody whose favorite TV show got canceled, but that's not what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus. I'm sorry, folks. It's not. And it doesn't mean wearing a cross around your neck either. (laughs) And I don't mean to be judgmental, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But we see crosses all the time hung around people's necks who have no idea what it means to bear the cross of Jesus. Garrett Fiddler once noted the irony of the cross as a piece of jewelry. He said, Really, the cross does not belong on the Christian, the Christian belongs on the cross. So, what does it mean to take up your cross and follow Jesus? Well, here it is. Taking up your cross and following Jesus means that you are willing to live the Christ life regardless of the cost. And those costs might include financial sacrifice. It might include rejection by your peers. It might include a host of other major and minor deprivations to your life. But folks, you have made a commitment to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and you are determined to the best of your ability to keep that commitment. So help you God. Now we live in a in a time in a place where people are reluctant to make serious commitments. Uh, sometimes it seems like we are allergic to commitment. And and that's true whether it's to your marriage or or to family or to an employer or or any other relationship. Uh, One guy said that his secretary likes to yammer on the telephone with her friends and one day he was about to interrupt her and tell her to get back to work and she looked up at the clock and put an end to the conversation saying, sorry, I have to go now, it's time for my break. (laughs) Some of you have known employees like that and And we're becoming a generation that finds making a commitment difficult. A famous Japanese statesman of the World War II generation once described the loyalty of the Japanese people to their emperor. He said, we do not worship our emperor, but we love him completely. And to make his point, he told a story. He told about a Japanese commander at Port Arthur called for when he, who called for volunteers to cut barbed wire entanglements which were posing an obstacle for the advancement of the Japanese army. And this commander gathered the troops and told them, you will never come back, nor can you carry a gun. You will take your place. You will cut one or two strands of wire and then you will fall dead another will take your place and cut one or two strands of wire and fall dead as well but you will know that upon your dead bodies the armies of your emperor will march to victory that's what he said and you know what happened total regiments volunteered for this certain death assignment And then the statesman added this. He said, if you Christians loved your God as we Japanese love our emperor, you would have long ago taken the world for him. And who could deny the truth of that statement? With that kind of commitment, anything is is attainable. But folks, that kind of commitment is, is very rare in our society. The missionary movement gave earlier generations of Christians a lot of great role models of that kind of devotion that that Jesus is talking about when he tells us to take up our crosses. Albert Schweitzer, the great missionary physician, he told about his decision to leave his family and friends to go and serve in Africa. Schweitzer, he's a... He was such a remarkable man, a brilliant musician and a a scholar. He had such a promising career at his home in in Germany, and his life was great. He had a, a wonderful life. Life was great for him. But one morning he woke up and he realized that he needed to give something back to the world. And he finally decided that what he was called to do was to be a missionary doctor. Now, his friends thought he was crazy. He wanted to go to Africa and be a doctor. And his friends thought he was crazy. In his autobiography, he describes the battles that he fought over this, how his friends and his family tormented him for the folly of this enterprise. They came to the conclusion that he wasn't quite right in the head. And they treated him with what he called affectionate ridicule. Yet, as a missionary doctor, Albert Schweitzer became one of the most highly regarded figures of his day all across the world. But folks, we don't have have many role models of that kind of discipleship these days. Max Dupree tells about a friend of his who was great at running the 95-yard dash. That's right. Normally, you talk about people who are good at running the 100-yard dash, but this guy was good at running the 95-yard dash. And Max says, that's a distinction I can do without because lacking the last five yards makes the first 95 pretty useless. And folks, Jesus, I believe, feels the same way. What he really needs are disciples who will run the whole way. And folks, it is, a, it is the committed people of our world who really make the difference. It's the people who are committed to their cause. They're the ones who really make the difference. Now, you do, we don't have to be the most brilliant person in the world. You don't have to be the most talented person of the world in order to serve Jesus. We don't have to be in a high-profile position. All we need to do is to take a stand from time to time. Rosa Parks, one of the most, she's one of the most famous names in, in civil rights history. In 1955, she refused to give her bus seat to a white man, and she was arrested because of that defiance. In her book titled Quiet Strength, Park says, When I sat down on that bus that day, I had no idea history was being made. I was only thinking of getting home. But I had made up my mind after so many years of being a victim of mistreatment, I was not giving up my seat. And whatever I had to face afterwards was not important. I did not feel fear sitting there. I felt the Lord would give me the strength to endure whatever I had to face, but it was time for someone to stand up, or in my case, sit down. So I refused to move. In an interview later, Parks corrected some of the misconceptions that people have had about that event. She said, some people say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired. But that's not true. I wasn't tired physically or no more tired than I usually was at the end of the day. And I was not old, though some people have an image of me being old back then. I was only 42. No, the only tired I was I was, was tired of giving in. Now, Rosa Parks was an unlikely person to make a real difference in the world. But when she decided not to give in to an unjust request she did just that and she changed the world now some people with far more opportunities than Rosa Parks let those opportunities slip through their fingers it happens all the time the Spanish poet Ortega was talking about a very famous French Impressionist painter named Gauguin Gauguin had achieved great success early in his life. He was famous even in his younger years, which is rare for painters. Painters usually don't get famous until they're dead. But he was famous when he was a young man. But then he did what so many people do who achieve great success early in life. He decided to sit back and rest on his laurels. And as the years passed by, Gauguin became very nonproductive in his art. And he ultimately attempted suicide. Ortega said of Gauguin, his creative energies degenerated into hobbies. What a statement. His creative energies degenerated into hobbies. You know, that happens to talented people who are not committed. And some people make a hobby out of their faith. It's something that they can take or leave according to their current level of interest. In other words, they're just auditing the course. And they're not really committed. But someone may ask, why should we make a lifetime commitment like you're talking about here? Why should we do that in the first place? And the answer is this, folks. We should do that because God has made that kind of commitment to us. Pastor Jeff Richards tells about a physician named John. Years ago, he was just beginning his medical medical career, and John developed a serious heart problem. He became a likely candidate for a fatal heart attack. And of course, his friends began to pray for him, but this harsh prospect of a heart attack looming over him was just hard for John to, to handle. And, and he, so he started to feel sorry for himself. He became angry with God. How could God let this happen to me? At the beginning of my career, I worked so hard, prepared so well to be a good doctor, and now this? It's not fair. And then one morning as John was brooding in his office, his father who was a retired doctor, suddenly rushed into his office and his father said, John, get on the phone right now and call the hospital. Tell them we're on our way. Tell them to get ready to operate on us immediately. And John said, operate on us? Dad, what are you talking about? What do you mean, operate on us? And so his father said, John, my career's over. Yours is just beginning and I have so many great hopes for you and I've been Studying about transplants, and I want to, I want us to go to the hospital today because I want to give you my heart. Well, obviously, John was stunned. He hugged his dad tightly. Together, they cried. And that special moment touched John so powerfully that for the first time in a long time, his hope began to return. He decided to quit feeling sorry for himself and to try to find another solution. And a little while later, he was able to have bypass surgery. And he was healed. Today, he's a very successful physician. He didn't have to have a transplant. He didn't have to take his father's heart. But folks, think about this. That experience provides us with such a beautiful metaphor of the love of our Heavenly Father for us. You see, when Jesus asked His followers to take up a cross, He knew that that was where His life would end. And He could never ask His followers to give their lives if He held His back. So you see, the Christian faith is really not for those who want to audit the course. Our God wants to do great things through us. And our God can do great things through us if we are really willing to give our all for Him. Some unknown author once put it like this. Isn't it strange that princes and kings and clowns that caper in sawdust rings and common people like you and me, are builders for eternity. Each is given a bag of tools, a shapeless mass, a book of of rules, and each must make, ere life is flown, a stumbling block or a stepping stone. My friends, the question is this. What are you doing with the tools that God has given to you? And that really all depends on how invested we are in this thing called discipleship. Are you just auditing the course? Or are you really, really taking up your cross and following Jesus? Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn, number 604. Come, all Christians, be committed. And I hope that's the prayer for all the Christians that are sitting here today, that we would be committed. Let us sing. holding on to the good, loving our brothers and sisters, feeding our enemies. But we need you to go with us, O Lord, for this is a commitment that is larger than our own grace or grit. So travel with us in the steadiness of your embracing presence and in the strength of your enabling power. We pray through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.